5pm it is, it is 5pm. Welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to you. Now, reach out to me via the app. You must have the app downloaded to your phone now. Reach out to me, send me a message today, or do it via the website richieallen.co.uk. I've got a bag full of stories to talk to you about, and you better talk back to me, I tell you. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Welcome to the show. Yes, I'm with you today. Just me. It is me and the. Like I said, I've got uh, plenty of talking points for you today. I do hope you'll join in with me. I'll be reading your comments out as we go along. And that's how it's going to be this particular Thursday, the 11th of May, 2023. I'll get uh, rid of the tune there and we can talk. Did you see this? I don't know if you saw this today. You might have seen it. Nearly 5 million adults are still living with their parents. And that's up 15% in a decade. Did you read this today? That's staggering. Now, I've gotten great mileage out of the, the foibles and the outpourings of emotion on the part of young people. We've taken the piss out of young people quite a lot in recent years. Young people sounds very patronising. I suppose anybody under 30, anybody under 40 is probably a young person these days. But you know, we we mean the 18 to 30 year olds or the 18 to 25 year olds. Gotten great mileage out of laughing at them for their wokeness and stuff. But I, I really do mean this when I say I wouldn't want to be 18, 19, 20 today. I just would not be. I had it far easier, even though I didn't have it easy, but I had it far easier, I think, when I was 18, 19, 20, than they do today. Soaring house prices mean over half of 20 to 24-year-olds are staying at the family home. And that's the first time it's gone above half. These these are census figures, right? And they show the number soared by 15% to 4.9 million between 2011 and 2021. So it's probably increased even since 2021, right? They're blaming soaring house prices, which is interesting because they're forecasting a housing price crash in this country, which I'm not sure I buy. And I know nothing about housing prices, so take this with a large pinch of salt. But when they're not building houses, and they're not building houses, they're not. Anything that is scarce tends to increase in price, whatever the market climate might be, whatever the economic climate might be. But tell me I'm talking through my rectum, which I often do. And I like it. I like talking through my rectum, to be honest. It's nice to just sit here and opine on things that you know nothing about. But I suppose the key is, I tell you that I don't know anything about this, but they're saying that soaring house prices is to blame for so many people staying in the family home for the first time. And I am not a... I'm not the student of human moves, not like I used to be. You know, I'm not somebody who does it for a living. I'm not a scientist who, who observes people. I'm not. But it might be quite the time to observe people because this is bound to have a real impact on society and on the type of people who will grow into their 20s and 30s. You know, the personality types. This will have a huge impact on them. I couldn't wait to get out of my home. I don't know about you. I left home when I was 17. I couldn't wait to get out, but for different reasons. But it's a very liberating thing 
living in a flat and having to get used to living with somebody and having to get used to doing your own washing and stuff like that. In my case, we went to the laundrette around the corner. I'm still doing that, aged 48, even though we have a washing machine. But uh, El Frogo Tremendo is a lazy old bollocks. You know, she's not a lazy old bollocks. She's not. She's brilliant, actually. But uh, I bought her a washing machine. Imagine the names you would have been called years ago for buying a woman a washing machine. Misogyny would have only been the beginning of it. But I bought her a nice washing machine, which is recommended by the Witch Guide. And she hardly uses it because she's busy. And I don't know how to work it, so it's just gathering dust. So I go to see Tracy in the laundrette around the corner. I love Tracy. I get all the gossip off of Tracy. Anyway, I'm completely rambling here. The point is, I I reckon... (coughs) Excuse me. This is going to have an impact on people. And this, this is going to change people, isn't it? You know, not being in your early 20s, not being out on your own, having to do things for yourself, bringing a wage in, having to budget, all the things that Mammy did for you when you lived at home. So it's a shocking thing, really, that so many people living with their, with their parents who really should be out forging their own way, getting on the property ladder. But then I know you're shouting at me right now because I can hear you. I can hear you in the in the stratosphere. You're shouting at me, Baldy, home ownership is under threat as part of Agenda 2030, the Great Reset. You are absolutely right. And this is why housing is not being built. You will own nothing and you will be happy. I get you. They're not building houses. So um, we'll leave that there. Tragic. By the way, if you happen to be in that age group and by some miracle you are a listener to the Richie Allen Show, do get in touch with me and if you'd like to talk to me, I'd be happy to hear from you. Yeah, I enjoyed being out on my own. Even if I didn't have to get out on my own for the reasons I did, it was great to be out on your own. Some adventure, you know? And they're not getting that because they're broke. And we take the piss out of them because they don't know any better when it comes to woke, the, the woke agenda. And we have a bit of fun. We poke fun at them and stuff. We call them snowflakes. And maybe we shouldn't do that as often. We've got to do it sometimes, right? But um, it's not... I wouldn't want to be 20. In 2023, I would not. Um, I'm happy to be the age I am. I'm just saying that. Let me know your own thoughts at six minutes past five on the usual ways to do it. The usual platform. Send me an app message. Go to Richie Allen. Don't go to Richie Allen. Don't go anywhere near Richie Allen. Go to the App Store or Google Play. Download the app or Otherwise, go to richieallen.co.uk and leave a message there. Going to be reading them out today. I always make a balls of it when we do a phone-in. I just have one pair of hands. And I get chastised, as I did last night. What's the point in sending you messages when you won't read them out? When I'm on the phone-in, I just forget about the messages. That's what happens. So Joe Biden is a bit mad. We, we Mad is probably a bit unfair. He's definitely not compass mentis. Um, he said he travelled to the island of Ireland to to commemorate the Good Friday Agreement. He did it to, quote, to make sure, quote, the Brits didn't screw around and walk away from their commitments. The Brits must have been shitting themselves learning that Joe Biden was coming across the Atlantic on Air Force One. What do what, what you think, lads? Will we screw around with the Good Friday Agreement? Uh, I heard Joe's coming over on Air Force One. Well, we better not then. Joe Boyd. He was at a fundraising speech in New York at a Democratic National Committee, that's DNC by the way, reception last night, Wednesday night. I bet you he doesn't remember. That's not funny. That's not fair. Okay, fair enough. What about Donald Trump? Well, he he was, was on telly last night, wasn't he? At one of those Republican town hall gigs 
which are covered by CNN, where a Republican politician or candidate will sit down on a stage in a little theatre surrounded by followers and and basically is interviewed, and Trump was interviewed by a CNN presenter to his pretty... To his pretty what would you call it? You wouldn't call it toxic. You would say it was uh, heated at times. The woman's name is Caitlin Collins. Trump did what Trump does, made a whole heap of, a whole pile of ridiculous ridiculous commitments and promises and statements about what he could do and what, what, what he wouldn't do. Nonsense. But um, when it came to the sexual assault stuff, Trump um, was wildly applauded, by the way, when he dismissed the woman as a whack job. That's E. Jean Carroll. Did you see that? And then he called the interviewer a nasty person. Wild applause from the audience of grand old party voters, GOP. Why can't they see people, Trump's followers, that what is happening in front of their eyes is scripted theatre to engage them? Why can't they see that it's complete vaudevillian nonsense? They surely must be able to see now that that the, the entire process, the entire setup, the the political system in their country, and the chief players, the chief characters, are there to engage them in it and to divide them. I mean, they can't honestly believe that Trump is genuine, can they? You know, you look at Trump and then you look at Biden. I mean, when will people wake up to it anyway? That's old news, we'll leave that there. Trump bragged he did that his poll numbers went up after the sexual abuse verdict. I don't know if that's true or not. It probably wouldn't surprise me. And we've mentioned Ofcom on this programme many a time. It's the UK broadcast broadcasting regulator. Would you believe it has received record complaints? Not about how the media is handling the vaccine injuries. That'd be nice if people contacted Ofcom to complain that the media is shutting down any discussion about COVID-19 vaccine injuries. No, 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 people don't complain about that. They're complaining about a woman called Ajoa Ando, who's in a show called Bridgerton, which I wouldn't watch because I don't like period stuff, right? I don't like periods, period. I don't like period dramas, period, as they might say across the pond. So she's in Bridgerton, and she apparently said that the royal balcony after the coronation was, quote, terribly white, end quote. And 4,165 people complained about that. And your heart sinks when you read that. 4,165 idiots phoned Ofcom. They didn't. They would have emailed them via Ofcom's website. Nothing better to complain about, no. Your lives are being flushed down the toilet and the media is acting as a propaganda tool for the elite and you don't complain about that. You complain about some black woman who complains that the Royal Balcony was terribly white. My God. She apparently plays Lady Danbury in the Netflix series Bridgerton. Is it any good? Should I, should I unlock myself? Should I unlock my mind and start on the period dramas? Should I? Pride and Prejudice, Kira Knightley. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. So she's doubled down on this, this black actress. She's doubled down on it. She's been speaking to the media today and has doubled down and said that the whole thing was very, was very white. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> something a bit more serious before we get into something a bit more serious. I've got plenty of content for you here today. Don't panic. God, I've got a bag full of content. What have I got? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven. About, uh, about 15 different cuts of audio. I've been working hard today 
beavering away I have, editing, cutting, copying, pasting. So before we get into the serious, serious stuff, this is a bit serious. Schools should ban smartphones. They should be banned from schools. And for one reason is to stop pupils taking photographs of children in lavatories and changing rooms. I didn't know this is going on. Maybe I'm naive. Lucy Marsh of the Family Education Trust Charity has told MPs that children are suffering damage from seeing porn and part of that was due to so many having smartphones. Right? So she spoke to the Commons Women and Equalities Committee, did Lucy Marsh, and said we have to consider the amount of children that have access to smartphones. I think that schools are not addressing the harm this is doing to children in being able to form healthy relationships when they are adults. I think she's onto something there. But it's not just about porn. Smartphones and smart devices are definitely impairing children's ability to learn how to form healthy relationships. Because again, I, I really mean it when I say we had it much easier. Our relationships when we were 15, 16, 17, no such thing as mobile phones. Well, there was, but there were the big massive things, the big bricks, but we didn't have them. We had a phone box at the end of the street. If you wanted to phone one of your friends, you had to go to the phone box with a Fihipingen. Fihipingen was 20 pence. And you probably had to have two or three of them. You know, we didn't have phones. Our conversations were face to face. Our conversations were around tables, looking at people in the eye. So, of course, it's having a pr profound impact on children being able to form healthy relationships when they're adults. They won't have healthy relationships when they're adults. They will have relationships in the cybersphere. Their relationships will be almost exclusively online, won't they? Yes, echo chambers. That's where they live. Echo chambers, where they will only be fed back to them the things they like and approve of. That's not good, is it? So, uh, yeah, Lucy Marsh is calling on MPs to try and introduce a, a, a ban where schools would agree that children cannot bring phones to school full stop. Some of the parents, of course, will have, will have a big problem with this because the phones are, in some part, security devices, aren't they? They want the children to be able to contact them wherever they happen to be. It's 14 minutes past the hour. Before we get into some of the more serious stuff, less light-hearted stuff, shall I take a tune? Shall I take a tune? Get in touch with me, by the way. It is richieallen.co.uk, live comment. If you've got the app, it's so easy to send a message through the app. It's so bloody easy, it's so bloody easy. It's nice and easy to send me a message. I'm Richie Allen. This is your Richie Allen show. It's yours, it's yours. Broadcasting live from BBG Towers in Salford. This is The Who... Yeah, and this is The Seeker, The Who and The Seeker on The Richie Allen Show. Brian has been in touch. How are you, Brian? He says, they're building houses like there's no tomorrow down here in East Kent. Every field within about 20 miles of me, which used to grow food, is now being turned into housing estates, thousands and thousands of new homes. The influx of migrants is increasing housing demand. Native demographic are not reproducing at above the replacement rate, says Brian. But Brian, the statistics nationally are that that they've never been building um, as few homes. They've never been... This is the... What's wrong with me? It's the end of the week. You know what I mean, don't you? This is the... Um, so if you look at a scale, they've put graphs out there and you can see how many houses in the tens or hundreds of thousands that were built year on year on year. And it's never been as low as it is now. That's what they're saying. It doesn't mean that in some places houses are not being built. But um, 
Anyway, what do I know? Thanks for that, Brian and Kent. Kev says, historically, a 3% rate increase has meant a 25% property price reduction. We are now at 4.4% in less than 18 months. A major correction is due, says Kev. I will have something on that a bit later on in the programme. Steve says, the laundrette is good for community gossip and local mood. I can work my washing machine, though I go to the local pub for gossip. You must live in a village, because local pubs are dead in cities. They don't exist anymore. Martin says, the Mrs Linda showed him how to work the washing machine. It's simple, mate. Yeah, but I'm a celebrity. I'd, 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 what? I'm joking, by the way. What celebrity, if I was a celebrity, does their own washing? I'm not putting up with it. Uh, Bilderberg is happening this weekend, says Wizway. It is indeed. For everything you need to know on Bilderberg, go to Bilderberg.org, a website curated by the legendary Tony Gosling. How are you, Tony? Mike says they're building loads of houses in Cumbria. Gail says, good evening, Richie. My two lads are still at home, 27 and 21. They just cannot afford to leave. Well, thank God for your two lads, Gail, that they have you and that you're not rushing them out the door. That's not great, you know. And Aaron was on to me uh, last night, Aaron, the musician who spent time in Mexico. And he mentioned making a video, didn't he, on the phone-in show last night? A video where he filmed himself inserting a COVID-19 test, a PCR test, up his back passage. He's found the video, he says. I can send it to you, but you'll probably never talk to me again. Yeah, probably best that you don't um, send it to me. Thanks, Gronya, for the video. Hi to Jilly from Wet Stormy Kent. Jilly says, Richie, my my first rental, a spacious bedsit back in 1969, cost £7 per week. Now in 2023, rent per month for a one-bed, very small cottage, two rooms, £905. Happy Thursday, says Jilly in Kent. 1969, seven quid to rent. Uh, a spacious bedsit was affordable, Jilly. I'm guessing it was affordable that you know you could manage the seven quid. 905 quid now for a one bedroom, very small cottage, which has two other rooms. That is insane. And we ended up here in Salford because we were renting in Fallowfield in Student District and we were paying just a little over £1,000 a month. And we couldn't carry on like that because we're not wealthy. We're just not wealthy. Irish people, oh, you're putting the poor mouth on you now, boy, are you? No, no, we're not wealthy, Caroline and myself. We're not poor, but we're not wealthy. But we couldn't carry on like that. Hence, we had to find a cheap three-bedroom semi-detached house in Salford that we could afford um, with, a, with a tiny mortgage. And we did, by the grace of God, if God is up there. Because we'd be in the soup now trying to come up with £1,100, £1,200 a month in rent. I don't know how people do it. And I feel lucky. I really feel lucky now. Like I said, I wouldn't want to be a young man or woman now. You know? And my, I have nothing but empathy for Gail's two sons. Horrible to be in that situation. You want to branch out for yourself and, you know, have your independence. Start your family. But you can't. Because there's nowhere to go. Alice has been on to say, as a Canadian, I am writing on behalf of beavers, which are recognised in Canada as a symbol of sovereignty. I am taking umbrage at your comment now of just beavering along. 
<laughs> Stop with the stereotypes, Baldy, or else, says Alice. Fair enough, Alice. You put me back in me place. Hi to Kabbalah Chris, who uh, sent a nice comment about the Whitley Streber interview. Thanks for that. Chris, nice of you to say that, pal. William has been on to say, I feel the time for banning phones from school has passed. Uh, the boat was missed. Phones are now intertwined with students' lives. Lives. For example, says William, my son's phone is now used for checking things to do with his type 1 diabetes. He needs his phone. And Coco, who phoned in last night, says our daily front page news is all about Donald Trump today. And yet we have very serious stuff to be dealing with in this country. Why are we being distracted with this nonsense? It's vaudeville, says Coco. Let's look to our own shores and let's not give the mainstream news oxygen on these idiotic page fillers. And hi to Nikki who says, I work in a restaurant, Richie. I watch youngsters and students possessed by their devices. They will not ask a question about the menu. They'll Google it. They won't eat before they take a photo of their meal. They will always pay by phone. And if they have to split the 20 quid bill between the two of them, they will use a calculator. We, we are pretty much screwed, says Nikki. <laughs> I believe every word of it, Nikki. I, I'm laughing because I don't know what else to do. Yeah, taking a photograph of your meal and posting it online. Ian says, Richie, I've been told by my local chemist that the group is getting taken over, the group which owns the chemist, by the end of this month. The new owners are a bank. There must be money in pharmacies. And Mark says, the coming housing crash will be catastrophic, Richie, says Mark. You might be right, Mark. Like I said earlier on, what do I know? 24 minutes past the hour. Let's talk about Jacob Rees-Mogg momentarily. This is about Brexit and EU laws, which are supposed to have been ripped up, you know. Remember that? We'll take back our independence. Remember that? EU laws, why should we be bound by EU regulations? We'll take back control, said Boris Johnson, one of the greatest pathological liars the world has ever known. Johnson, of course, wasn't even a Brexiteer. He's been a Europhile his entire life. Just like his daddy. He's disgusting daddy Stan Stanley. Stanley, that's the one. Well, Jacob Rees-Mogg is apparently pissed off, apparently, because they're all actors, you know. And he's accused the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak of breaking his word after the government ditched the plan to allow thousands of EU laws expire by the end of the year. They're supposed to allow all these laws expire by the end of the year, take back control, but now they've ditched that plan. Surprise, surprise! Scylla would sing if Scylla were still alive and it's a shame she ain't. Now, the Business Secretary, Kemi Badenoch, defended this and told MPs today the government was still ending EU supremacy, but we're just changing how we are going about it. She said it shows that we Brexiteers can be pragmatic and do what is right. Mogg is pissed right off. And he spoke to Nick Robinson on BBC Radio 4's Today Show, and he had that conversation this morning. But... You've criticised the blob, you've alluded to it there. Th Let me apologise, by the way, for the audio quality of this particular clip. It's a BBC problem, not my problem. Here's Mog with, uh, with, um, with Nick Robinson, whom you hear first. But... You've criticised the blob, you've alluded to it there, thinking that Whitehall is going slow on this. Kemi Badnock says in a piece for The Telegraph they're prioritising the ones they think they need to keep ahead of the deadline rather than the ones to go. I put it to you again, though. 
This is a government led by a Brexiteer, Rishi Sunak. The business secretary is a passionate Brexiteer and declared a deregulator. You yourself were prominent in government. You as politicians have simply not delivered, have you? Well, I think that you're absolutely right. The politicians have not delivered. And this comes back to the Prime Minister's promise in his video during his leadership campaign when he said he would do this. Now, bear in mind, at that time, he had already given right round consent to the retained EU law bill. I had briefed him on it. He knew that it wasn't easy. He knew that it was going to be an effort to get it done by actually a slightly longer deadline at that point. He accepted the deadline of 2023, uh, and then he has broken his word. And this is very serious, in my view. Serious in what way? The politicians need to stick to what they say they will do. Is there a political danger? We see that the party is in a pretty deep electoral hole. We saw that at the local elections. Do you think this decision and others like it pose a risk? Well, I think it is important, um, an issue for the party, that uh, when Rishi Sunak resigned, he said in his resignation letter to Boris Johnson that he believed the public are ready to hear the truth. Our people know that if something is too good to be true, then it's not true. He then said something that people like me wanted to hear and has failed to deliver it. And I'm afraid it's no good being holier than thou if you then end up behaving like a Borgia. A Borgia. It's no good being holier than thou if you end up behaving like a Borgia. Do you know what he meant, means by Borgia? Look it up if you don't know. And then Nick Robinson brought up Jacob Rees-Mogg's moonlighting as a TV presenter. Now, you're now a TV host. We I see. am on GB News between yeah. 8 and 9 o'clock Well, I have to tell evening. our audience, because yes. there are not that many people that watch, but you will face a choice when it comes to a general election, whether to stay as a Member of Parliament or to be a TV host, because under the Ofcom rules, you can't do both at the same time, at least during a campaign. Have you made your mind up? Oh, during the election campaign, I'll obviously not be broadcasting. And you will stay as a Member of Parliament if you're elected? Well, this is up to the people of North East Somerset, um, but I very much hope that they will re-elect me. Jacob Rees-Mock, thank you My for pleasure. joining us here on the Today Program. Did you catch the, the beginning of that? What a little bollocks Nick Robinson is, eh? Now, you're now a TV host. We I see. am on GB News between yeah, 8 I am on GB News 9 o'clock Well, I have to tell evening, our audience because yes. there are not that many people that watch, but you will... F I have to tell our audience because there's not that many people that watch says Nick Robinson, the little bollocks. Look, they were never going to leave the European Union properly. Not that it matters, because the Great Reset is for everybody, regardless of which geographic location on planet Earth you happen to be. We'll leave that one there for the moment. More comments coming in. Thank you for them. Thank you. There are two Jillies commenting. One in Kent, who we referenced a moment ago, and Jilly in Somerset. How are you doing, Jilly in Somerset? Is Jacob Rees-Mogg your MP? God love you. And Hazy has been on to say, speaking of house building, Sandgate in Kent is being destroyed by building homes on important conservation sites. It really does depend on the area, says Hazy. Thank you. Listen, I, I stand to be corrected. Um, and look, we, we, we know it's foolish to believe the government. It's foolish to believe the media. But when they say that house building is at an all-time low, I kind of think that's about right because that's how they want it, isn't it? Anyway, look, we'll, we'll get into it in another way. Elizabeth says the lockdowns had a huge toll on late teens. We moved to Madrid to give our child the best education we could afford at the German gymnasium in Madrid after living in Germany, with the intention that she would go to uni in Germany, which costs nothing with a gymnasium degree. As it turned out, hard lockdown hit in Madrid several months after we moved. Um, that was three months with severe restrictions. Almost two years later, when it was time to send her to uni in Germany, Germany still had lockdown rules and they couldn't leave their dorms. No personal class instruction. Three masked at a time 
allowed together outside. At that time, she was going to nightclubs in Madrid. In the end, we sent her to private university in Madrid at great cost while living at home, just to keep life as normal and enjoyable as possible. But it sure has put a big dent in her budget, as well as slowed down her path to adulthood. Thank you so much for that, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. And Chris says regarding Pride and Prejudice, look no further than the 1995 BBC miniseries version with Colin Firth and Jennifer Eel. Is it Eel? E-H-L-E or Ella? Jennifer Ayla. Jennifer Ayla. I've never heard of this woman. Donald says, Richie, hi. Since Ireland has taken in refugees, asylum seekers since February 22, houses have been built and other sources of accommodation have been given to Ukrainians and to others while nothing is given to the people of Ireland. That's Donald. Thank you, Donald. And Diane says, she echoes that sentiment, as does Jenny, both ladies in Ireland. Thanks, Diane. And Jenny, Melanie says, too much housing being built in the northeast. It's funny that, isn't it? They're, you're coming at me from everywhere around the UK geographically to say that housing is being built. Um, Melanie says, almost every village is having large housing developments added to them. The meadow at the bottom of my garden has turned into a huge housing estate in the last year. And this happened in the previous two villages I moved to, including a cricket club left in perpetuity to the village and sold off by the council. Or is it just me, says Melanie? No, it might be me, Melanie. I might be wrong. It's, uh, it's happened before, many a time. Chris the Gardener says, Richie, like you, I couldn't wait to get my own place. I moved out when I was 19 into a bed sit. The rent was £180 per calendar month. It had one of those old 50p electric meters. £2.50 pence per week was the average spend on lecky. No central heating. And it was so cold in the winter, the windows froze on the inside. Happy days. That is something I... That brings back memories. I lived in the manor. I lived in a little flat in the manor by myself when I was a very, 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 very young man, late teenager. And we also had an electricity meter in each flat. I had to put 50p pieces in it too to keep the, to keep the uh, heating on. I also had a 14-inch black and white television, I swear to God, at the time that was given to me by a relative. And I was happy as Larry. Larry must have been very happy. Nobody's ever met him. But I was happy. You know, I was thrilled to be kind of doing my own thing and uh, and whatnot. Thank you for sharing these experiences, by the way. They're very good. Now, always money for war, eh? No money for building houses, although apparently there is, if you believe my listeners. And I tend to believe my listeners. No money for the cost of living crisis. No money. No money for people. People starving. They are starving in this country. People working several jobs, resorting to food banks. No money for those people, but always money for war. Always money for war. The UK confirmed today is that it will supply Ukraine with long-range missiles, the missiles requested by Ukraine for its fight against the invading Russian forces. This is the Storm Shadow Cruise missile, dear listener. It has a range of over 250 kilometres, which is about 155 miles. That's according to the manufacturer. Okay, the weapons will give Ukraine the best chance of defending herself, says who? Says Ben Wallace, the UK Defence Secretary. These missiles are fired from airplanes, so the longer range means that Ukrainian pilots will be able to stray, uh, sorry, to stay further away from the front lines. You see, because the missiles have longer range, the pilots won't need to get so close 
to the front lines. Once launched, the Storm Shadow missiles drop to low altitude to avoid detection by enemy radar before they latch on to the, the, the target, basically, with an infrared seeker. Here's Ben Wallace then. The UK Defence Secretary speaking this lunchtime. The Prime Minister and I have now taken the decision to provide longer range capabilities. In December, I informed the House that I was developing options to respond to Russia's continued aggression in a calibrated and determined manner. Today, I can confirm that the UK is donating Storm Shadow missiles to Ukraine. Storm Shadow is a long range, conventional only precision strike capability. It complements the long-range systems already gifted, including HIMARS and Harpoon missiles, as well as Ukraine's own Neptune cruise missile and longer-range missions elsewhere gifted. The donation of these weapon systems gives Ukraine the best chance to defend themselves against Russia's continued brutality, especially the deliberate targeting of Ukrainian civilian infrastructure, which is against international law. Always money for war, no money for education, no money for childcare. No money, but plenty of money for war. Why do I keep repeating that? Listen to Sean Bell. He's a military analyst and he spends a lot of time these days on Sky News. He used to fly planes in the military too. Sean Bell talking a little bit more about the Storm Shadow missiles. It's a pretty substantial um, missile. It's been around since the mid-90s. It was developed by France and the UK. Um, the one thing it was designed to do is to sort of do bunker busting. So it's got a, a two-part warhead. The first part impacts and starts to blow a hole and then the second part of it goes through the hole. So it's meant to go through two to four feet of concrete. So you imagine it's a pretty big bang. Uh, it's also designed to go about 300 kilometres, but the range of the missile, they're a little MOD a bit careful about that because there is an export version that has around 300 kilometres and then there's other variants that clearly have greater range than that. Um, it was used in Iraq in 20, uh, two, 2003. It was also used in Libya in 2011 and literally only last year it was used in Syria. Uh, I think eight or nine were operated off the Typhoon aircraft. So it has a lot of utility. I think it can operate from... It's launched at medium level, but it can fly at low level. It can terrain hug, go down valleys. Uh, it can avoid electronic warfare. It's a very capable missile, but it is about £2 million a pop. And one of the things that... You know, I flew Harriers in my day. We couldn't carry this missile because it was so heavy. It's the size... It actually weighs more than a small car. Weighs more than a small car. You did catch this, didn't you? But it is about £2 million a pop. What? But it is about two million pound a pop. And again? But it is about two million pound a pop. Two million. You see, we we're not governed by lunatics, because Ben Wallace, the defence secretary, is a puppet. He is a front man for somebody else's agenda. So we're not governed by lunatics, but they are governed by. They are managed by lunatics. Two million pounds a pop. These are being donated. The Ukraine, the Ukraine. Sorry, Ukraine isn't buying these, and there are many, 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 many of these. They've already been sent out there. Before the announcement was made, these missiles were sent to Ukraine. Two million pounds a pop. You heard that, didn't you? But it is about two million pound a pop. Two million. Lunatics. 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 I'm not going to list again the things they don't fund in this country, but they can spend two million pounds on a single missile. Lunatics. I'll say it no more times. I'll say it no more times. Your thoughts, please to richieallen.co.uk live comment or comment via the Richie Allen Show app which you should have now if you do possess a smartphone which most of us do we can bitch about them we can talk about the intrusiveness we can talk about the damage they do to children and to relationships and to conversation and all of that but most of us use them don't we 
because we find them handy. For me, it's emails on the run. It's basically emails on the run. And many times in, re- in the recent past have we talked about the climate change nonsense and many times and we've talked about heat pumps. Heat pumps, yes, because gas boilers will be outlawed after 2028 and homes, homeowners in this country will be told to bankrupt themselves and spend 15 or £20,000 to have a heat pump installed in their home in place of their gas boiler. Well, a bit of an exclusive, not an exclusive, but The Telegraph, the only newspaper to cover this today. Let's give a round of applause, a boule, a bus, Moshe the Hulley, for Emma Gatton. She's The Telegraph's environment editor. What did she find out? Well, British Gas has admitted that heat pumps probably will leave your house colder than a gas boiler. They leave your homes colder. What will that mean for senior citizens who need to be kept warm in the winter? I'll read some of the story. British Gas has said heat pumps could leave some homes colder than those with a gas boiler as British Gas offers a new money-back guarantee on its installations. Did you hear that? There has been such little take-up of these fucking gas, of these fucking heat pumps, excuse my French, that they're so desperate for people now to take up these heat pumps, to take up an offer to try and get a grant from the government. The government is offering a grant, Right? that they're now saying that um, they'll give you a money-back guarantee on the installation if these things do not heat your homes as well as the traditional boiler would on the coldest days of the year. This is truly vaudeville. If the customer finds their home doesn't reach the agreed temperature, British Gas will give you your money back. But what are you supposed to do then? You're still stuck with the heat pump which is useless, aren't you? And they won't allow you to have a boiler, these tyrants. No, because gas will effectively be outlawed. It'll be gone because gas is harming the planet and is affecting climate change, which of course it isn't. The new scheme includes a five-year guarantee on heat pumps. British Gas has pledged to match any offer given by a competitor below its installation fee of £2,999. Yeah. <laughs> wow paid pumps you know we laugh now and we're reading these things now but the pressure is going to come on homeowners and well it'll be homeowners not renters in the next two to three years they'll start ramping up the pressure for people to install one of these things and they don't work they will not heat your homes and they will spell doom for any seniors who succumb to the pressure and dig into their savings or to their pension fund to install one of these things. Four million homes, by their own measure, by their own measure, by their own estimate, four million homes will need upgrades, additional upgrades, such as cavity wall insulation. Otherwise, the homes won't be suitable for a heat pump. So I'm living in a house that's 100 years old. Won't be suitable. So they'll, they'll be asking people like me and my missus to, to shell out tens of thousands of pounds to do our bit to save the planet and to reduce our carbon footprint. And if we decide not to, well, they'll tell us, OK, but you will not have a gas boiler. We will not allow you to burn wood. You can't burn coal. You can't burn peat. You can't burn anything because you're creating CO2. So you'll have to live in the winters in homes with no heat whatsoever. This is true, I'm not making this up. 
if you don't go for the heat pumps, right? You won't be able to burn anything. So they're going to outlaw the wood-burning stoves. We have a wood-burning stove. We've never used it. So they're going to say those things are illegal. What are you going to do? Well, we'll say... We, 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 we might not be here. We might be in France, right? We, we will say... Uh, well, we'll just wear duffel coats then. And they'll say, okay, but um, you will not be allowed to sell your property unless you have these things installed. That's how it's going to be, you see. So British Gas admitting that these things will not heat your homes as well as a traditional boiler on the coldest days of the year. But tough shit, Paddy, you're going to have one of these anyway. Or you don't get to sell your home. It's uh, 18 minutes, in fact it's 17 minutes to the top of the air. I don't come here to depress you. But every word of what I've just said is true. They don't work. They know they don't work. Mmm. Fantastic. And Brian makes a good point. Overall level of new homes being built has been fairly steady since the 50s. What has dropped off a cliff since 1980 is the number of local authority houses being built. Well said, Brian. That's about it, really. Yes. That's about the size of it. 100%. Okay. Keep these messages coming in through the website richieallen.co.uk. Chris asks a good question. How come Jacob Priestmark didn't interview himself on his own programme? Give it time. Give it time. Adam says they are building houses, but not affordable ones. Thank you, Adam. Jacob says, in my village, they've built two new housing estates totaling around 150 houses. The primary school is still small, with only 10 in my class throughout primary school years, says Jacob. Thank you uh, to Jacob. Wow. Anne says, Richie, my son is 25. He still lives at home with me. He has a business management degree and can afford a mortgage. However, he doesn't want to be a slave from cradle to grave. He stands to inherit my parents' house in the future. Until then, he will live at home and enjoy holidays three times a year, etc., etc. It works for my family, says Anne. Thank you, Anne. Yeah, I mean, with interest rates, and we'll talk about them briefly in a moment, increasing steadily. I mean, we've had 14 interest rate rises in a row in the UK, 12 or 14. Getting a mortgage now, very expensive, no doubt about that. Isabel has been in touch to say in France more and more houses are fitted with pellet heaters. Now I don't know much about these pellet heaters, says Isabel, but a web search says pellet heaters are more efficient than wood-fired heaters and open fireplaces. They're also better than electric heaters. This means that the stoves use little fuel to heat large spaces. Additionally, additionally even, the high efficiency means that pellet stoves emit less CO2 and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Pellet heaters. First I've heard of them. Thank you so much for that, Isabel. And Richard says, Richie, getting an air source heat pump was the biggest mistake in my home. It was totally missold. Uh, Its benefits are bullshit. Richard got a heat pump. And I'm sure you spent a lot of money on it too, Richard. Wow. Thanks for these messages. Thank you. Keep them coming in. It's quarter to the top of the air. I think it's time for another tune before we talk more stories because I've got more stories to tell you. This is your Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. It's good to be with you today. Music from Starship, that's wild again on the Richie Allen Show. Your Richie Allen Show. 
It is yours. It's yours and nobody else's but yours. Lots of comments coming in. Uh, thank you for them. I'm going to start reading them now and then we'll take uh, another direction. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Now, Donnie says £2 million per missile, per bomb, equal equals the building of 20 social houses with a return on the investment, says Donnie. Don't know about 20, Donnie, but yeah, 20 probably sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Two million, four million, six million. Six million is 120 houses, and you can do the, math- the mathematics yourself. Always money for war. Nobody talking about a settlement in Ukraine, except for Donald Trump, ironically. The blowhard saying, if I was president, I'd solve that in 24 hours. Sure you would. Melanie says, I came across an interesting calculation recently, which is mad, but makes perfect sense. It demonstrates the insanity of the climate change hoax, and it goes like this, says Melanie. CO2 equals 0.04% of the atmosphere's gases. That's correct. 3% of this figure is attributed to human activity. That's right. Of this 3% of the 0.04%, 1% is contributed by the UK, equaling 0.00011% apparently. It's madness. Yes, nitrogen and oxygen make uh, are the largest gases found in the atmosphere. They're about 98% of the gases. About 98% is oxygen and nitrogen. Well, nitrogen is the number one, 70, 78%. And then you have trace gases then, lots of other little gases. And Melanie is right, 0.04%. And let me just explain that. CO2 is 1 25th of 1% of the atmosphere's gases. Let me say that again, because I have done the mathematics. CO2 makes up 1 25th of 1% of the gases in our atmosphere. I love a party with a happy atmosphere. Have I got that here now? Hang on. Hang on. I'm having one of these days today. I'm being very unprofessional, you know. You're being grossly unprofessional today, Richie, are you? I'm not really, actually. I'm being very... Un- only swore the one time. Let's see if we got atmosphere. I'm sure we have atmosphere here. Have we got it? We might have atmosphere. Let's see. You can dial up anything you want on this system here, you know. I don't know if we have it. Have we got it? Come on. Come on, Russ. Russ. I knew it. This is from an album called Russ Abbott's Party. Is is that what it's called? Russ Abbott's Party. Listen to the Casio keyboard. He spent a lot of money in production. All together. subject you to that. That's cruel and unusual punishment. There was um, there's a big feature in The Guardian today about waterboarding and torture in Guantanamo Bay. It's horrifying. I read some of it, right? Some of these guys that were blamed for September the 11th read it and they talked about all of these techniques and I was just thinking to myself there, they didn't need to waterboard people, they didn't need to put them in any stressful positions at all, they didn't need to humiliate them sexually they didn't need to beat them, they need none of that. All they had to do with the Al-Qaeda guys was play this and they would have given up their grannies. They would have given up their grannies. Yeah, me granny, me granny did it September 11th. Just turn it off. 
Anyway, enough of that shite. Right, let's scroll on down. The sarcastic window cleaner. Richie, there was a heating engineer who called LBC today. He said the woman expert who was championing... He said the woman who was on LBC championing the heat pumps was talking shite. He said the heat pumps do not heat the home properly and the total cost would easily be about £25,000. Is that right? So a heating engineer said they are garbage. When they were first mentioned on this programme, somebody sent a message through the website and we take people at face value and he or she said that he or she was a heating engineer and just like the sarcastic window cleaner has told us, said the same thing, that the cost will be absolutely ridiculous. Prohibitive for most people. You will have nothing and you will be happy. And you will be uncomfortable and you will be freezing your tits off in the winter and you will be happy. Steve says, the £2 million aside, someone sitting on a comfortable sofa in an expensive suit, quietly discussing how one warhead or another can blow holes in things and, by inference, kill people, is just grotesque. What's wrong with people? Absolutely. Joe Public says his iPhone is too old to get the app. Tough shit, Paddy. Jenny says, in the budget in the US, they have allocated money for weapons for Ukraine for the next four years. This created war. This manufactured war could be stopped tomorrow, but there is no intention for that to happen by the psychopaths who run everything. It is heartbreaking. Alice Cooper says, new estates are being built without chimneys, so no burning solid fuel. Is that right? And Bill says, it's a good way to end the conflict in Ukraine. Keep sending more and more weapons. Well said, Bill. Ending the conflict is not something they want to do. Isn't this a bit mad? Oh, what an atmosphere. That's your earworm for today. It'll be in your minds later on. You'll be saying that baldy bastard. Why do I listen to that baldy bastard? You'll be singing it in your sleep. You'll, you'll wake up in the morning to go for a wee-wee. And it'll be in your mind. Oh, what an atmosphere. I love it. Right. So you know that Kathleen Stockton is an academic. She moved to America. And um, she seems to be a fairly likeable woman. She's a, a feminist, is Kathleen Stock. And she doesn't go along with queer theory and these ridiculous theories about gender identity. She's no time for any of that old bullshit now at all. So she doesn't. And um, she's going to be speaking at Oxford Union. Now, some of these students that... We said, we, we, we said we'd give younger people a bit of a break, didn't we? Because of the travails, because of the difficulties in navigating buying a first home and all of that. But let's take the piss out of the younger people again. So she's been booked to speak at Oxford Union. Oxford Union often invites a controversial speaker to debate there. Tommy Robinson was invited to the Oxford Union to speak there at one time or another. Stephen Yaxley Lennon. So the, the, they've invited Kathleen Stock. They said, Kathleen, come down and tell us why you believe that biological sex is everything and why you don't buy into this shemale stuff. Come down and tell us. So the young snowflakes at the university went absolutely batshit crazy and said, we can't have this. And they wailed and they keened and they cried and they bawled and they whinged. And the uni said, no, 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 she's going to come in any case. You know, what happens is you go to university and sometimes you will be confronted with unfamiliar or contentious ideas and it shouldn't be upsetting for you at all at all at all at all you should engage with those people with these contentious ideas and try to determine why it is they think as they do and if you think you've got a better argument make your argument and then all piss off down to the pub together and get trolleyed on wicked blue that's how it used to fucking be when i was at uni 
Well, I, I, I take your point there, Martin, but I have something which I can beat that. You probably didn't read um, Wilde's book from 1987 in which he argued and posted. You know, that's how it was, right? And then somebody said, well, Richie, I think Martin made a better argument than you. Fair enough. Let's go to the pub and get pissed up on three wicked blues for a pound. That's how it used to be. Not now. Not now. No, no. These idiots are so pissed off, right, that the, they didn't get their own way and that Kathleen is coming to give her speech and talk about her ideas, that the, the, the two things happened. First of all, the university has offered counselling to those who are so upset by this little woman coming to talk about biological sex, that the university has offered counselling sessions. I swear to God, you might have read this in the paper yesterday. But the olive branch from the University of Oxford, well, no. The snowflakes have said, no, no, fuck off. Fuck off with your offer of counselling. That's just not good enough. So what we're going to do is, next year, the Oxford Union will not be allowed to have a stall at the Freshers' Fair. That'll show ye. That'll teach ye to invite a woman to come and talk about gender theories and queer theories. Right? No, we don't want your counselling. As melted down as we are, we will not allow the Oxford Union have a stall at next year's Fresher Fair. I wonder is it worse? Do you know if I had enough money? None of us have ever got enough money, have we? But if I was fairly rich, I might go back to uni as a mature student just for the laugh and film it. Take a film crew with me. Get permission from the uni. I'd like to make a documentary about navigating third-level education as a mature student, as a 48-year-old gammon, basically. Will you have me, Oxford? Will you have me, Manchester University? Wouldn't it be some crack now going in as a mature student, wouldn't it? Ah, oh, sure, to be great gas altogether. Speaking of the interest rate, it's rising from 4.25% to 4.5%. It was the 12th rise in a row. And it's the highest level now, the interest rate. The Bank of England has raised the rate to its highest level in almost 15 years. It means that mortgage and loan costs will rise for many people, but for others they will earn a few extra quid on their savings. The Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, says the UK is no longer expected to go into recession and he says energy prices are expected to drop to £2,100 by the end of the year. But what does it mean for mortgage holders? This is public service broadcasting now. Sally Mitchell is an expert on mortgages and she spoke to GB News today about this. Sally Mitchell. It's really difficult to um, predict what the lenders are going to do. Certainly for anybody on a variable rate or um, a tracker rate, this will be you know, affecting their monthly payment. They can expect mm. to be paying about another £26 a month on the average mortgage um, amount. So Yes, they're clever. They look ahead. They know potentially what is going to happen with the Bank of England base rate. But believe me, you will see if you're on your variable rate that this extra 0.25% will be passed on to you very, very quickly. It's not good, is it? And again, my absolutely sincere sympathies to anybody going through it. Hi to Paul. Paul is in London. Excuse me, I coughed off, Mike. Paul is in London in a semi-detached 
that he, Paul and his partner or wife bought in 1992 after the crash. Negative equity on our old flat but cheaper house. My eldest and girlfriend, my eldest and his girlfriend rents in Ancoats near the marina. £1,200 per month plus bills. Ancoats is already a 15 minute city in my book. They will probably force you out of your home, demolish it and offer you a rabbit touch, says Paul. Well, Jesus, Paul, I hope you're wrong. But you might be right. Streff says the missile sent to Ukraine would be old technology that would otherwise be scrapped. It gives way to even more military spending. Thank you. Maria says repellet heaters. They emit a lot of dust from what my dad says in Austria. Farmers cut out loads of trees from their forests at the moment. Massive piles everywhere, all for shredding for pellets. No more oil heaters allowed, although they are totally clean. He says when everyone heats with pellets, the air will be awful and he knows his stuff. Technical engineer in the wood sector. Regards, that's Maria. James says don't forget heat pumps use electricity, so not cheap to run. All energy, including your car, will be run on electricity and that is when the rationing comes in via your compulsory smart meter. That's James. Nigel has figured out how to send me a message from Tremor in County Waterford. Thank you, Nigel. Good to hear from you, pal. Roger says, thank you for telling me how to find the future was yesterday via Spotify. Googling with the word podcast brought up someone else's name by the same name. Someone else's podcast by the same name. It was interesting and worrying. AI is too powerful. Paul Ripley and Nick Ripley, the future was yesterday. It's a very, very good podcast. Uh, and I recommend that you, you, you have a listen to it. So Ardell says, my bank TSB are still not paying interest on their current accounts. So if that doesn't change, I'll be on my bike thieving bastards, says Ardell. Tell them what you really think, Ardell. But I hear you. I don't get any interest on my current accounts. With the Halifax Bank, none. Let's talk. It's three minutes past the hour of six. Let's talk about something very serious. Change to rape trials in Scotland or a trial. A trial which might see a change in how rape trials are conducted in Bonnie, Scotland. So lawyers across Scotland are raging against this. You might have heard me speak with Stuart Waiton, the brilliant academic and criminologist on the programme 10 or so days ago. They want to remove juries from rape trials and allow a judge, a single judge, given special training to determine whether a person is guilty of rape or not. This is astonishing, right? They want to trial this. However, there's been a bit of pushback. Lawyers across Scotland, defence lawyers, are expected to join a near-unanimous boycott of this pilot scheme for juryless rape trials, right? Legal professions in Scotland have said the scheme, which is proposed to tackle low conviction rates for rape, could undermine the judicial system in Scotland. The recently appointed First Minister, Humza Yousaf, has defended the plan. He says there is a weight of evidence, wait for it, that juries are affected by rape myth, mids, I can't say myth, myths, rape mids, I can never say that word, a myth. I can never say the plural of myth, myths, can't say it. Anywho, this idiot says, the First Minister of Scotland, Juries are affected by rape myths and by misconceptions. So we can't trust juries to determine whether somebody is guilty of rape or not. Let's have a listen to Politics Live. Sally Brindley 
works for Rape Crisis Scotland and she's all in favour of this BBC Two Politics Live. This was a recommendation by Lady Doreen, the second most senior judge in Scotland, that we pilot um, a judge-led approach to rape trials off, off the back, as you've referenced, very low conviction rates for rape, but, but also overwhelming international evidence about the impact of false assumptions that jury members might bring to bear in, in terms of how they um, interrogate the evidence in rape trials. I, th I think it maybe has been a little disappointing. The response was seen, oh. I, I don't know if it's unanimous from the legal profession, but there have been many voices re really using quite inflammatory rhetoric in relation to this proposal, whereas what I think we need is a reason to be in Scotland about why our justice system fails so many women reporting rape. Right, I mean, there would be agreement with that point, but do you agree that it is a very drastic step to take? Uh, because having juries is the bedrock of our system here. Uh, I, th I think nobody would dispute it. It's absolutely paramount that the accused in Scotland has a right to a fair trial. But a fair trial does not necessarily mean a jury trial. That I think what we all want is a fair and objective assessment of the evidence being laid in these trials. And I think there's sufficient evidence that that is not happening with juries that, that really led to Lady Doreen recommending this pilot. And I think it's something we should try right. and see if it does make a difference. It does not in any way change the presumption of innocence mm. or affect um, the burden of proof in these cases. Sandy, stay with us. Um, Ellie, what do you think? Because Labour is saying you have been saying on the record uh, rape has effectively been decriminalised in England and Wales. Do you have sympathy with what Sandy is saying and proposing? Uh, this is Ellie Reeves. She's a Labour shadow justice minister. So this is a Labour politician. What does she think? I have sympathy, but I don't think we should move we to juryless rape trials. I don't, Joe. And let me just explain a little bit um, why. Um, I think the system is broken, um, but the problem uh, it, it, often relates to what happens much further um, uh, down the line. So only uh, in England and Wales, only 1.6% uh, of reported um, uh, rapes uh, result in a charge or summons. So the vast majority of reported rapes result with no action being taken whatsoever. That's a huge problem. Right, that's Ellie Reeves, Labour Shadow Justice Minister. Well, they're welcome to try it, but I'm very wary about... And the guy you're about to hear is Bob Seeley. And Bob Seeley is an MP, Conservative Party MP, Olive White. What does he think of the forthcoming trial where they will trial um, conducting rape trials without a, without a jury? What does he think? Well, they're welcome to try it, but I'm very wary about losing the jury system because it's been with us for centuries. Actually, the government, as you know, has had a rape, uh, uh, it has conducted a rape review and it, the government has taken specific measures. So to say that the government yeah, is inactive yeah. is simply not true. Well, it's improved very slightly just recently. No, I mean, look, there, there, oh, there are some it, complex it, issues it here. One is, in part because of COVID, but in part because of the time it takes to bring people to justice, the critical thing is to get rape victims to stay within the criminal justice system. So that has been one of the focuses of government. It's to get video evidence, to use video evidence, which is now happening. As a result of these and other measures, there's a doubling of rate referrals by the CPS and from a low base, from a low base, there is a tripling of convictions. So we are heading in the right way. But the way to deal with this, if there are rape myths that people on juries believe, it is to challenge those myths, either using the judge at the beginning of a case or society. You look, look, you look at a police force like the Isle of Whites. Let me just to say very briefly. Very briefly, because we haven't got long. Domestic, domestic violence was something that was underdealt with 20 years ago. It is now the number one police task on the, on the island and in many other parts of Britain as well. 
on the same programme, Ella Whelan, who is a journalist, a conservative-leaning journalist, she thinks it's an insult to the Scottish people. No, it's an incredible slandering of the Scottish public to suggest that they are incapable of coming to a trial like this and being on a jury and giving someone a fair trial. That is, a, that is I'd completely reject that. I imagine most people in well, Scotland let, well, would let me as well. Just get, let me just get Sandy to answer that. What do you say to Ella on that point? Yes, I, I, I think we're, we're not necessarily talking about prejudice. I, I think there is no doubt there is some prejudice. There's prejudice in the Scottish population which the jury pool is drawn from, so it would be naive to think that there aren't... Whatever. There is prejudice in the Scottish population, she said, the population from which the jury pool is drawn. This is insane stuff. We don't talk... Do you know, there's so much insanity in our lives at the moment. And I, I remember a week or so ago... Stuart Waiton, and we'll hear some of that interview in a moment, a little bit of it, was incredulous. The criminologist, he lectures at Abertay University, he's a successful author, is Stuart Waiton. Good guy as well. He's just incredulous at this, that this stuff is allowed to happen. Now, this hasn't gone through yet, but the fact they would even dream up this madness. Scottish society is prejudiced. Therefore, a jury drawn from the prejudiced society must have prejudices. Therefore, let's do away with juries and allow a single person to determine somebody's guilt or innocence in a court of law. It's fucking crackers. Texas, do you have to that? For example, but, but I do think in the main, the issue is false assumptions about rape that jury members are bringing to bear on the decision making. So, for example, assumptions about fighting back or physical injury. And that is the issue that's been played out. And that, that there are particular issues with conviction rates in single complainer rape cases. So that the figures quoted from Cheryl Thomas's research, I do think need further interrogation because they include the rape of children and where there's multiple complainers. What we are looking at in Scotland is a pilot for single complainer rape cases where we know the conviction rate is much lower. Madness. Now, as usual, the British Bullshit Corporation, the BBC, didn't give its viewers the real horrors of this. That You know, it didn't really dig into it. It's bad enough removing juries and allowing a judge to determine. But what the BBC doesn't do is explain how the judge would go about doing that. But Stuart Waiton, the criminologist, the lecturer and the author, explained it on this very show about 10 days ago. And this is absolute madness. And this is what they want to introduce. But they're basically saying the public are bigots. The term they use is they believe in rape myths. Um, and therefore they can't be trusted to adjudicate on rape trials. So we're going to get rid of juries for a trial period and rape will now be adjudicated by judges. Uh, there's, there's an addition to this. I mean, there's various factors to it, but one of the arguments is that in Scotland, you have this thing called the trauma-informed approach, right, which the Scottish government has introduced, which basically says pretty much everyone's traumatised by everything. Right. Uh, and, you know, rape in particular, everyone is traumatised who comes into a court, or we must, we must assume they are, and you, ordinary people don't understand tra the trauma-informed approach, whereas we're going to train judges to understand and appreciate this trauma-informed approach, right? And where it gets absolutely uh, Kafka-esque in the extreme is what they argue is that following a trauma-informed approach, right, so you understand that the person, the woman standing in front of you is quite likely to be traumatised, 
you must take a counterintuitive perspective, right? By which they mean, if she seems unreliable, right? If she doesn't seem to be convincing, if she, if you're just looking at this person and thinking, no, there's nothing that's doesn't add that up. I yeah. can believe. You need to take a counterintuitive approach, i.e., turn it around, right? Because trauma can have all sorts of impacts on people and how they respond to things can't be predicted. So this incredibly unreliable witness who seems to be lying, who doesn't seem to be actually a victim of anything, you have to turn that around and say, take a counterintuitive perspective, right? And you're like going, what? So so basically these judges are being trained that if someone st- is standing in front of you who you think is completely unreliable, you have to bin that and say, she must be totally reliable because I'm taking a trauma-informed, counterintuitive approach to justice. Kafka-esque just about covers that, doesn't it? Stuart Waiton, the criminologist, the lecturer, the author, speaking to this programme a week or so ago. Scottish Owl says, doing away with juries for rape trials is an easy way for them to get the conviction rates up. Anyone who is now taken to court for rape will be found guilty until proven innocent. Well, this, this, isn't, this change hasn't happened yet. They want to trial it, but at the moment they're finding it difficult to trial this because almost unanimously solicitors and barristers are saying this is ridiculous. So this might not come to pass. Bill says politicians and judges are some of the biggest sexual deviants out there. Why would anybody trust them over a jury, asks Bill. That's a fair question, I think, Bill. Hi to Richard Kelly, he says, Richie, Gripped Media has done a good interview with a psychotherapist called Stella O'Malley on the trans issue. It's excellent, in my opinion. Thanks, Richard. I'll check it out. And for listeners, Gripped Media, Gripped, G-R-I-P-T dot I-E, I think that's where you'll find that particular um, interview. So um, check it out there. Patrick says, if sanity returns to the world, then I would like to see the chief peddlers of the fake man-made climate change narrative quailed, jailed for long stretches, surely. Truth and justice will prevail in the end by the grace of God within uh, humanity. Thanks to Patrick for that. And Jen says, Richie, that Ross Abbott song was about as welcome in my ears as a slug in John Waters' cabbage patch. <laughs> How did he say he, 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 he rid himself of the slugs again? He went and he got some cheap beer, didn't he? He's been um, sober. He's been teetotal for 35 years, John. He, he, he described it, how you do that, how you get, the, you get them drunk. I did Chris, who says, Joseph, Joseph Burrell himself said, Joseph Burrell said, if the West were to withdraw its funding of Ukraine, the war would be over in a few days. So, of course, Trump could fix it that quickly. Trump wouldn't fix it that quickly, believe me. Isabel asks, is it just me or are there more ads than ever on both TV and radio on diseases since the COVID jabs? First, there were ads about heart disease, now dementia. I can't help but wonder if they are doing this to condition people to get used to the idea of these diseases as if they were preparing us for a huge peak in the near future. You might be right. Seamus says, will heat pumps be a contributing factor, a kind of a Trojan horse for making your house so unfit to live in that people may beg to be moved into the gulag ghettos that will be the smart 15-minute cities? Also, will it take an hour to walk around these 15-minute cities? 
Yes, that's a good question too. Absolutely. And Backbeat says a little bit of advice to Anne regarding her son inheriting a home. Start working on the transfer of that property ASAP. Not wanting to sound like a vulture. Having experienced what is only the beginning of a probate journey with Her Majesty's Rev or His Majesty Revenue and Customs, I'd like as many people as possible to avoid the absolute agony of dealing with these parasitic entities. Very good. Uh, great stuff. And hi to Boyana. Hi, Boyana. I can't find any other comment by you. You'll have to repost it to the website if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Keep the messages coming in to richieallen.co.uk or to the app, the, the app store or Google Play Richie Allen. Christine says, Richie, I know in different circumstances, but I know it is different circumstances, but look how well judge-led trials, um, look how well they went when they happened in Northern Ireland. What if the judge has been involved in rape in the past? Just a thought, says Christine. That's a very good point. Judge-only trials in Northern Ireland were catastrophic. She's absolutely right to make that point. And I too, Paulie Woolnats, who says there's nothing wrong with atmosphere by Ross Abbott. <laughs> and then he says, I heard they used Nickelback when they blasted sound into the cells in Guantanamo Bay morning, noon and night. I read that very same thing too, that they used Nickelback. That, that, that was hard going, I reckon. The Richie Allen Show, live from Salford with me, Richie Allen. Back with more news and comment after this. Jeff Lynne, or ELO as they were then, Electric Light Orchestra and Turn to Stone. Now I found Bayana's comment, thank heavens for that. Richie, I'm listening to the theme about housing, and I'm astonished, writes Bayana, how the situation is the same here in Croatia. And those are two countries that cannot be more different historically and culturally. Young people can only dream about a flat or a house, and monthly rent is more than half the salary, the average salary. Luckily, my kids are students in Zagreb. They're in a student campus. But my, but my young colleague in her small town of about 6,000 inhabitants, my young colleague cannot find something decent to buy. There are no flats at all to buy or even to rent. Everything is reserved for the tourists. Istria is a tourist region, says Boyana. Plus for the foreign workers um, that are here in hundreds already, about 550. We were on the refugees route, she says, and many of them settled here. Thanks for that, Boyana. I mean, that's a disaster for a young person in Istria, in Croatia. No properties that they can afford, rentals they can't afford. Yeah. It did occur to me, when, when, when we were paying nearly £1,100 in Fallowfield, three and a half, four years ago, barely making it. Like, we, like I said, we weren't broke. You know, and the, the utility bills were nothing like they are now. And without children, you see, which, which, which it's not a great thing. You know, I'm, I'm not, not proud of that. It would be nice to have children. But um, without having the expensive children, like we got by... And Caroline's a very clever woman and she has a good job. So we got boy. But um, it did occur to me back then, how can people with children pay those types of rents? How can they possibly manage it? And now, with everything else that's going on now, it's uh, 23 minutes past six. It's Richie Allen with you. I'll be with you till about seven o'clock, I reckon. I've got one more kind of interesting story to do. 
kind of semi-serious story. You might be following this. And then I'll read a few more comments. Will That should take us uh, close enough to 7 o'clock this particular Thursday. Let me take this opportunity to give a quick plug for the Sunday show. I present a programme on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock UK time, which bears no resemblance to this programme whatsoever. It is a music programme. It is a, a nostalgic, whimsical musical programme where I just uh, play a few oldies and we have a chat about it and we have some silly conversations about mad stuff. Like last week I was asking about the things, what was I talking about on Sunday? The things that are in our garden sheds that have never been opened. That sort of crap. But we like it on a Sunday to talk about these things that are harmless. What did you buy? I bought a carcher, which you uh, plug in, it uh, power sprays everything. And it's in my shed and it hasn't been opened. And I bought it two years ago, meaning to, to scrub my paving on my drive. Yeah. So that's it. And we play a few tunes and it's good crack. Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock UK. Sunday morning melodies with the Yeah, I bet you that woke you up. So that's it. it would go Sunday morning melodies with the BBG. The biggest arsehole on planet Earth. Alice came on to say, did you know, Richie, there are only 14,000 Garda Siakona in Ireland? I did not, Alice. I should do because I, I do occasionally read the Irish Times, but I didn't know this. She says, how could they possibly police our phones for hate material? I got that figure some time ago in the rag that is the Irish Times. Most Gardaí I know couldn't be going along with all of that anyway. That's a good comment, Alice. That's an interesting one. Not all policemen and women are arseholes. They're not all. Some of them got into it for legitimate reasons. They felt that they were doing some good. I'm sure some people go into the police thinking, be nice to be able to be of use to my fellow citizens, right? And maybe a lot of police officers in Ireland, a lot of Garda or Gardaí, they might say, well, feck this for a game of soldiers. I'm not going to be checking whether people have hateful content on their electronic devices. I hope you're right, um, Alice. I really do. Let's hope so. Terry says, Daniel O'Donnell is a thousand times worse than Russ Abbott. I would confess to anything rather than endure Daniel for a few hours, says Terry. Terry, I'm going to dig out a Daniel O'Donnell song now to close the programme with, just for you. Gail says, there's also a massive rise in high blood pressure thanks to the recent medical procedures, the jabs, and um, getting certain medications now is a nightmare. I had to find a pharmacy miles away because the local pharmacy cannot get my prescription, my medication. In fact, there is around 100 medications now becoming difficult to get. Yeah. And Denise, thank you for your message. Let me read it. It's like living in a dystopian sci-fi come horror film where all we are having pushed onto us is doom and fear while the biggest theft of our money, lifestyles, rights and freedoms are being forced on us. Whichever way you look at it, it's a mass transfer of any money or assets we have to the puppet masters, whoever they are. Like a trip back to the dark ages where there are the rich and the poor and downtrodden. I am a hairdresser by trade, says Denise, and I get shocked at how many of my elderly clients keep saying we are going back to Victorian times. Whatever they mean by that, says Denise. Yeah. And thanks to Nikki who says, listen, listen even to Beans and On Toast, Money for War. 
and she sent me a YouTube link. Have a great weekend, says Nikki. Shows like this, when you talk by yourself, are the best ones, says Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. I like to have an occasional show like this. In fact, I, I, I scrambled to get a particular type of guest on today to talk about a particular type of subject. But I came up short. Hence, it's you and me. But as I said to Jean-Anne, and Jean-Anne will know this, this type of programme is a far more difficult programme to produce than one when I have guests because there's an enormous amount of work in this, uh, in gathering information and audio and what we call what we call editorial in the trade. So I do, I do like these programmes, but they are a bit taxing on the old brain. And Don in Walkden says, I can't look towards a bright future. We are being attacked on too many fronts. I think it is basically over for us, says Don in Walkden. But Don, do you know what? I have days like that where I feel like that too. But then I'll have another day when I see somebody do something very kind. And I meet people who are very kind when I'm out and about with the dogs or somewhere else. And I think, no, 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 we're not doomed. We're not doomed just yet. There's still a chance. To, to use a baseball analogy, we're bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded. We've got three outs already. Jesus, you'd swear I knew about baseball, wouldn't you? Huh? Huh? I got that from a movie. But um, it, the odds might be stacked against this, but um, I'm not giving up. I'm never giving up. Let's not give up, eh? Let's not give up. Let's hang in there. Melanie says, I think this is the creep towards applying UN new legal principles. This idea of removing juries. I heard a conversation and quotes from new guidance for Scottish courts, which suggests that some people are undeveloped up until the age of 30. The perpetrator, e.g. a person accused of rape, can then be seen as the victim. This happened recently in relation to the rape of a 13-year-old girl. Thank you very much for all of your comments. Let's talk about this for a minute. Let's talk briefly about Piers Morgan. Now, I, as a journalist, followed the phone hacking inquiries with great interest as somebody who worked in a very busy newsroom. Uh, not in a newspaper. I must, I must say I've never worked for a newspaper. But as a radio producer, I knew all of the local newspaper writers very well. And I knew the types of people they were. So the phone hacking thing was of great interest to me when we had the Levison inquiry and all of that. I was kind of uh, really gripped by it. Now, you'll know that um, newspapers, journalists working for newspapers and private investigators over the years were hacking into the mobile phones of well-known people across different fields, politics and entertainment and whatnot. And they were d using their illegal material, the material they got from these phones, listening device messages, to write stories about people and one thing and another. Now, Piers Morgan, the editor of the Daily Mirror between 1995 and 2004, who previously edited the News of the World, he swears by God and Sonny Jesus that he knew nothing about any of that and that it was wrong that it went on, but he didn't authorise it and he never knew that any of the stories that were in the mirror, that came about by the hacking, he knew nothing about that. That's what he has maintained since day one. Now, he's been interviewed by Amal Rajan. I'll tell you more about that in a second. He is a radio presenter for BBC Radio 4, and he interviewed Morgan, and I think it's going out tonight at 7 o'clock, but the BBC has already dropped it on the iPlayer. So I was able to grab a bit of this today for you to listen to. Just, just a matter of interest, right? So... 
he is facing fresh accusations now that he did know or must have known about the phone hacking that went on and other illegal behaviour by his own journalists. Now, the allegations that he must have known this were made this week at the High Court as part of the latest phone hacking trial, which is, uh, according to the BBC, pitting a group of alleged phone hacking victims, including Prince Harry, against the Mirror's parent company, which is Trinity Media, I believe. So Morgan denies it. Uh, Here he is speaking with Amal Rajan. I hope I pronounced that right. Amal. Jesus, Richie. Um... Amal Rajan, that's right, speaking with Piers Morgan, that's going out today. And it is interesting, this 45-minute interview with Morgan, because it gets into Meghan Markle and lots of other things. And uh, yeah, let's hear some of this today. Amal Rajan, you'll hear him first, then you'll hear Morgan. Okay. Have you ever hacked a phone? No. Did phone hacking ever take place during your editorship of The Mirror? Not that I'm aware of. Because what you're not saying there is there is no phone hacking well, at the mirror. No, to be clear, originally I said I've never hacked a phone, I've never told anyone to hack a phone, and no story's ever been published in the mirror in my time from hacking the phone. And then somebody pointed out, well, you can only know the first two things for sure. Yeah. All just... I can talk to is what I know about my own involvement. I never hacked a phone, I wouldn't even know how. Jeremy Paxman told the Leveson Inquiry that you taught him how to hack a phone. I've been asked to ask you about a lunch at Trinity Mirror on the 20th of September 2002. First of all, do you have any, any recollection of that occasion? There were two reasons I remembered the lunch. One was that it was so unusual to be invited into such a bestiary. Uh, the second of which was that I was really struck by something that Piers Morgan said. He then explained that the way to get access to people's messages was to go to the factory default setting and press either 000 or 1234 uh, and that if you didn't put on your own code, his words, you're a fool. Now, I don't know whether he's talking about whether he was making this up, whether making up the conversation, but it was clearly something that he was familiar with and I, I wasn't. To what extent does that undermine your defence? Well, it's complete bullshit. And no offence to your former colleague at, uh, or your predecessor, University Challenge. But I told him to be careful about phone security because there was a new thing doing the rounds of people. If you hadn't changed your factory setting, you tapped in four zeros or whatever it was and you could hear people's messages. But that would be like if there was a spate of muggings out there in the King's Road right now. And I warn you, by the way, I've heard there's a spate of muggings. Be careful. So I was completely honest about it. It was open. It was in front of my chairman. It was in front of the BT boss, in front of all these people. And I don't like actually to be too critical of him, given his condition now, which, and I watched a documentary, very moving recently. But on that, he really pissed me off. Pissed him off. Absolute bullshit, says Morgan, what Jeremy Paxman said about that lunch meeting where Morgan explained how it is done, how the hacking is done. Let's hear a little bit more of this. In 2015, the Trinity Mirror Group apologised for historic phone hacking and said such behaviour represented an unwarranted and unacceptable intrusion into people's lives. You must see. I hear what you're saying. Well, I agree with that, by the way. Sure. I think phone hacking is completely wrong and shouldn't have been happening. And it was lazy journalists being lazy. But there's evidence that it happened while you were editor. There's no evidence I knew anything about any of it. I never told anybody to hack a phone. And nobody on the Daily Mirror of the hundreds and hundreds, thousands possibly of journalists who work with me on the Daily Mirror have ever even been arrested in connection with phone hacking. So there are lots of civil things going on, but as you know, the bar for that is a lot lower than it is for 
any criminal action. Yes, we can keep going over and over and over this, but the police you know, were pretty thorough in their investigation. What I would say is I have not been involved in any of these settlements at all. But Nobody has even asked me for my opinion, which I think says it all. But does it stretch credulity for an editor as hands-on, as energetic, as intricately involved in the papers you were, to say this stuff was going on but I didn't know about it? I didn't. So I don't care whether it stretches people's credibility or not. He doesn't care. That's going out tonight. Now, what's interesting about this is The Guardian. Don't yawn. Don't yawn, don't groan. I know. I know. I know exactly what The Guardian is. But um, even a broken clock is right twice a day. The Guardian is all over this. The Guardian would absolutely loathe the editorial staff at The Guardian. There's no doubt they would loathe, they would hate, they would revile Piers Morgan as much as I do. I use these terms and I use them loosely because I don't have a lot of hate in my heart for anybody, particularly somebody I've never met. I was disgusted by Piers Morgan's conduct in March, April, May, June, July 2020 when he harangued UK government ministers about lockdown, not because they were imposing lockdown, but Morgan wanted them to do lockdowns harder and faster. It was disgusting. And I I wouldn't trust myself to be in a room with Morgan. So to say I loathe him would imply that he would be living in my head rent-free, that I would think about him. I don't think about Piers Morgan. But over the course of the three years, he is the worst of the worst. His carry-on. He had the opportunity, Morgan, to destroy it, to take it apart, to take the whole thing apart. He could have destroyed the narrative because he had access to all the major players very early on in the scam, right? It turned out that eventually the Conservative Party stopped putting, sorry, the government stopped sending ministers to Good Morning Britain because they were getting such such a chasing from Morgan. That sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? Government ministers were terrified to go on Piers Morgan's show with Susanna Reid, but they were terrified to go on for the wrong reasons. He was screaming at them for not saving lives and that they were responsible for killing people because they weren't acting faster and sooner. So he's a scumbag. And I would imagine Morgan knew from the outset that COVID, the story, the narrative was a load of bollocks. So this phone hacking thing. So The Guardian, right? They've done some excellent work, The Guardian, today, of all days. And they've dug out some quotes. These are absolute verbatim quotes by Piers Morgan over the years, which hang him out to dry. And I wonder, are we about to see the end of Piers Morgan? As, as a television and radio presenter, at least on mainstream media, right? Because he won't go away no matter what happens, right? Uh, and I won't care one way or the other. It doesn't matter to me whether he does a programme on talk TV or not. But this is interesting. He was interview, interviewed by or interviewed Naomi Campbell for GQ magazine in 2007. Now, she might have conducted the interview, maybe. And here he is. I don't have the audio. This is, um, these are quotes. He explains how voicemail interception works. This is 16 years ago to Naomi Campbell. It was pretty well known that if you didn't change your PIN code when you were a celebrity who bought a new phone, then reporters could ring your mobile, tap in a standard factory setting number 
and hear your messages. That is not, to me, as serious as planting a bug in someone's house, which is what some people seem to think was going on. End quote. So he tells Campbell how it, how it worked, basically. Now this is a guy who has, in the last 10 years, denied all knowledge of this. Denied even knowing how it was done. And he says to her, this is how they do it. And then he says, it's not as serious as planting a bug. It's not as serious, he says, to um, Naomi Campbell. So in the same year, right, he was speaking to... He was speaking to a journalist about the royal editor, Clive Goodman. And you might remember Clive Goodman was jailed for hacking Prince William's voicemails, right? You must remember that. It was a big story, right? So Clive Goodman went to jail. He's not in jail anymore. So he went to jail for hacking Prince William. Speaking about that, Morgan says, quote, I feel a lot of sympathy for a man who has been the convenient fall guy for an investigative practice that everyone knows was going on at almost every paper in Fleet Street for years. Right? No knowledge of it. Didn't know any of this was going on, he says. In 2007, he says, this is going on for years. And then he, he, he wrote a piece in the Daily Mail in 2006, Morgan did, right? Where he describes listening to a voicemail left by Paul McCartney for his then-girlfriend, Heather Mills. By the way, they get on really well these days. Even though Heather divorced Paul McCartney and stole a lot of his money, they get on really well. He sends her a Christmas card and a tin of cupernol every, um, every Christmas. Anyway, so this is Piers Morgan writing in the Daily Mail in 2006. Stories soon emerged that the marriage was in trouble. At one stage, I was played a tape of a message Paul had left for Heather on her mobile phone. It was heartbreaking. The couple clearly had a tiff. Heather had fled to India and Paul was pleading with her to come back. He sounded lonely, miserable and desperate and even sang We Can Work It Out into the answer phone. It's Morgan. Not only knew this stuff was going on, he was being played some of these messages that had been hacked out of people's phones. I think Morgan is, not to put too fine a point on it, fucked. And he was on Desert Island Discs in 2009. And he was asked on the programme, presumably it was Kirsty Young, was it, back in 2009 presenting Desert Island Discs? He was, he was asked about the underhanded tactics. And he said, quote, A lot of it was done by third parties rather than the staff themselves. That's not to defend it, because obviously you were running the results of their work. I'm quite happy to be parked in the corner of Tabloid Beast and to have to sit here defending all these things I used to get up to. And I make no pretense about the stuff we used to do. Morgan is a pathological liar. I would imagine not only was he fully aware that people, celebrities, politicians, sports people were having their phones hacked into. This is a grievous crime. It's not murder. It's not rape. But it's a terrible crime, right? Not only did he know about it, but I would imagine that he probably ordered it. I would say. So he might be toast, Morgan. Depends on how this current case goes against Trinity Mirror Group. The time is 17 minutes to the top of the hour. This is your Richie Allen show. And I'm not um, being unfair at all to um, 
Heather Mills McCartney. No, two, two to Piers Morgan. Um, stop it. I'm not being... Uh, he, he was the worst, wasn't he? Can you think of a presenter on national or commercial television or radio who behaved in a worse fashion than Piers Morgan did in the six, seven months after the first lockdown? Because I can't. You know, I can't. I can't uh, imagine anybody worse than him. Let me read some more messages for you. That Cupernal joke is an old gag, but it's a funny one. Um, the window cleaner says, did anyone else see what Brian Harvey... Oh, Brian Harvey. Brian Harvey, E17 Brian Harvey. Brian is not... Is Brian reliable these days, Brian Harvey? Apparently he's been... He's been talking about the phone hacking, has he? About the sun. Brian's a bit, a bit, a bit mad. He used to make YouTube videos about me years ago, giving out about me. Even though I'd said to him, you can come on the programme if you want, but you're not going to say X, Y and Z unless you can prove it. You see, libel is a very serious thing, right? It can destroy a broadcaster. You know, if somebody comes on the programme and says something very, very wrong about somebody and they, the somebody um, feels that their reputation has been harmed irreparably, they will come after you. Brian wanted to come on this show about seven years ago and say awful things about certain people. I said, you can't do that. It, the media doesn't work like that. Use your own platform to say these things, Brian. I had a long conversation with him. He recorded the conversation without telling me. And then he leaked little bits of it onto his YouTube channel for a while afterwards, Brian. But I didn't hold that against him at all. It just I found it very amusing at the time. I think we were on the phone for about two hours and he recorded it. I didn't say anything that interesting, really. But... Um, yeah, I get that from time to time. People who want to come on the show to say things about people. Like, no, you can't do that, you know. Do it on your own channel. And um, happy days, but not on my channel. If you can prove it, absolutely. Louise says people are in the main, are in the main kind. Especially since the masks have been allowed to come off. You can see their goodwill. That's what was the most dangerous thing about them was the the masks. The most dangerous thing about the masks, says Louise, was they were blocking a lot of the cues that human beings give to one another. It's a brilliant comment, Louise. And people who educate very young children, kindergarten, didn't they say that the adults wearing masks around the babies would lead to developmental issues for the babies? And didn't we hear a report a few months ago from an educational think tank which said that we're already seeing that in four and five-year-olds. The, 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 the damage done by being surrounded by adults peering at them with masks on their faces. Very good uh, comment is that, says uh, Louise. Wayne says, we are being told, or we have been told, there, that there are not more convictions for rape, that rape convictions are low because of misogynistic attitudes or lack of will from the courts, etc. I believe, says Wayne, it's more to do with the nature of the crime, in that, for obvious reasons, it's very difficult to prove in most cases, such as proof of consent and the fact that there are no witnesses present. Therefore, says Wayne, I'm not sure you can make convictions easier without weakening the burden of proof. Surely the tyrants running the asylum would love to get rid of all juries and make things as easy as possible to get convictions. Good comments, that. A lot of sense spoken there, I believe. This is Thursday's Richie Allen Show. The time is now coming up for 13 minutes to the top of the air. Flying solo today, and I have to say, I've enjoyed it. 
I enjoy a bit of flying solo from time to time. Does this no harm at all, at all, at all? William came back to say on the comments that we are still here. We are not dead, not defeated yet. William says we are still here. We are far from done. And Stephen says in Orlando, you might expect to spend on rent now $2,250 for a small two to three bedroomed house in Orlando. Jesus wept. That is a lot of money. And Straight Gay from Gary Owen came on to say, Richie, given the current phenomenon of normalising sexual content on mainstream television, including having naked adults in the classroom, I am putting together a pitch which I will submit to Channel 4. It's a game show entitled Holy Cock Union, whereby the contestants will be expected to balance small round wafers on either their penises or their breasts while feeding each other with said wafers. <laughs> it's a work in pro progress, says my friend and Gary Owen. Good luck to Waterford's hurlers at the weekend. By the way, we have a very difficult game in Semple Stadium against Clare, don't we? Having lost our first two games in the round-robin series of this year's Monster Championship. Yes, we might struggle against Clare, I hope not. Davy Fitz, I hope you'll have them prepared. Isabel says, Richie, as the editor, are you not supposed to ask your journalists for the source of their stories? Yes, is the answer. As the editor, yes, you would be asking the journalist to show you their body of work, their work product. How did you come to hear this about this person? So Martine McCutcheon is having a, an illicit affair with Ross Kemp, while they filmed EastEnders, is she? No, she didn't. Martine McCutcheon never had an affair with Ross Kemp, right? But if that was the tabloid story, as an editor, you have to have proof or you don't go to print. You would say to the journalist, right, how do we know? Well, um, one of our photographers, he had a long lens camera and he saw them. There they are having a kiss outside Starbucks. Right, we'll run the story. That's how it goes. So Isabel is right. Morgan would have been really impressed by the scoops at the time. A normal person would have asked, says Isabel, how the hell did you get your fingers on this story? It's a very good point. That's absolutely right. Mark in Frome says, I had to Google Cupernol, but I pissed myself laughing. Good man. <laughs> I heard that joke when I was in Spain years ago and I pissed myself laughing too. It's a joke that has aged well. Absolutely. Cliff says, Paul McCartney was very generous to Heather Mills. One Christmas, he bought her a plane and some hair remover for the other leg. <laughs> you could be kicked off mainstream media for making a gag like that. And Paul says, I always enjoyed the flying solo shows when they come around. They're kind of long-form news roundup. Thank you, Paul. You're very kind. You're too kind to the BBG today. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long old day here at BBG Towers. I'm going to give another plug without playing the sting for the Sunday Morning Melodies programme each Sunday morning, 10 o'clock UK time or British summer time where I will be playing nostalgic, whimsical tunes with some lovely stories and you and I will have a few chats. We'll come up with a question. We always come up with a question on a Sunday morning, you know. Who would have won The Incredible Hulk or Spider-Man? That's, that's, that's the level that we get to on Sunday mornings fantastic it's obviously the incredible hulk of course it is um jenny says p 
Piers Morgan pushed the lockdown really hard. But while people were locked down, he packed off to Antigua for a three-week holiday. One rule for thee, etc. The thing I do remember about Morgan, and it's hard to know if Morgan was given a real jab. It's hard to know, right? But he claims to have been jabbed. Didn't Morgan claim to have been very, very ill after the jabs? If I remember rightly, if you look that up online, you might find Morgan, I think, claimed that he was very, very sick after the jabs. He's a prize prick, is Piers Morgan. That's all he is. And um, maybe I shouldn't be like this, but if he gets a little bit of comeuppance at this latest hacking trial, but the thing is, it won't matter. If he ever lost his gig at Talk TV, Morgan would do with Tucker Carlson. He would go somewhere else, online, and uh, open a free speech platform and, and whatnot. That's how, it, um, that's how it goes, I think. I don't think I've missed any comments today, have I? Have I? Have I? Have I? Did you see on Twitter, you know Jan at London, who was on this programme? Jan is an activist in Ireland, um, asking serious questions about the things being taught to children in schools. She's a good woman, Jan, she was on the programme. She was giving a speech the other day, maybe yesterday. Did you see this somewhere in Dublin? Don't ask me where, but you'll find it on Twitter in any case. And it's about this ridiculous gender theory, queer theory nonsense. And some bloke in a dress wearing a pair of trainers came up and uh, basically assaulted her. Did you see this? It's all kicking off in, in, in Ireland around these um, ridiculous issues, which it, it, it still stuns me that we're talking about these things so with such frequency, but then we have to because they're very important. So Jana's going to be dropping in. She could have dropped in today, but at the end of the day, I said, no, no, look, no, let's do it on Monday. Let's do it on Monday. You know, she said she'd fit me in today, and I said, no, 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 we'll do it on Monday. Giannana's telling me she was outside the Department of Education. That makes sense. Yes, of course, that's where she would have been. Outside the Department of Education was Yana, And did handle it very well. She was very nonplussed. I like that. I like a woman who can keep her composure under pressure. She was nonplussed by this idiot tranny. Idiot muppet. Who ran up and threw water and ice at her. You have to be careful, you know. Because one of these days, one of these people, they're, they're, they're going to throw something else. I see somebody, and I'm, I'm not trying to scare Yana or any of her friends or Jana or, or anybody else who, who goes out and protests. But these people are so crazy. You really need to take precautions, I think. She said to me today, did, uh, did Jana, that there were a number of police stood across the street, Garda, Siakona, and they didn't give a shite, basically. Nothing. Nothing out of, nothing out of the old bill. Just, just looked on. No attempt made to tackle the bloke or run after him and arrest him because he committed an assault and he should be arrested and he should be taken to the station and questioned. 100% and then sectioned. Sectioned. What are you doing, a man in a dress and a pair of trainers assaulting women? What's wrong with you? We'll section you and we'll have you evaluated under the Mental Health Act of 1929 or whichever such act um, it was or is. So there you go. Now that's um, Thursday's Richie Allen radio show brought to you by none, none other than Richie Allen. And that's the end of it now. Um, thanks for listening, for putting up with it. It was a meandering stroll through the media today, wasn't it? Through the news. But um, we got there in the end. We held on. And uh, I don't think I bored you to death. You're still there. So join me at 10 on Sunday if it's your thing. Some listeners don't like it. That's good. Fair enough. I, I will speak to you then on Monday at 5 o'clock UK time. In that case, if you can't bear the thoughts of the Melody programme on Sunday. What am I going to do this weekend? Well, I'm going to see United on Saturday. We have Wolverhampton Wanderers, or the Wanderers of Wolverhampton, at Old Trafford at 3 o'clock. I've got a ticket. 
I've managed to finagle a ticket, so I'm going to the game. I will watch uh, Waterford Port Laurier on Sunday. Other than that, I'll probably chill out with the missus and the two fur babies. That tends to be my weekend. My weekends don't change from one weekend to the next. They're very blasé, very boring. As am I sometimes. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Paul Ripley for all his help this week. Hayden Hewitt, by the way, um, break a leg. It's a bit late to say that. Hayden is coming to the end of filming his first feature film. Principal photography is coming to an end. And apparently it's gone brilliantly. And I love Hayden. You know I love Paul. I love Hayden too. And he's making a film called Cara. Spending um, well in excess of over £100,000 on it. And uh, by all accounts, it's a crazy horror movie, but brilliant and it looks brilliant. And I'm delighted for my pal Hayden that it's all gone so well for him thus far. Continue to break a leg and all of that. Have a wonderful weekend, right? Speak on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. Look after yourselves and one other, one another. Slán Tommel. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic.